Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. All right. All right. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So we're recording this like two weeks before Christmas. And so I thought a funny title would be understanding pelvic floor muscles can help you through the holidays. (laughs) And it, it's sort of, there's a byline I use a lot. Everything I need to know, I can learn from living in a body. And your pelvic floor has a lot to teach you about how to get through the holidays. So I came up with four statements that you and I are going to try and justify. (laughs) The first one is that pelvic floor muscles are hidden, but important. Like, isn't it your experience? It is mine. When we're treating people, so many people don't know those muscles or where they are kind of what the basic function of them are and most people have no clue uh our health literacy is not as great as it could be yeah and and like not everyone knows the name of the biceps but they they know they have a muscle here in the arm and that pelvic floor where it's located uh it, it does support a lot of the things that we do, um, as we'll get into here. You know, kegels and leakage, you know, there's more than just that, um, which is important, um, but there's other things that the pelvic floor does too. I thought we could look at, well, what are we talking about pelvic floor? I just had somebody recently, she called her, she pointed at her 
groin where her thigh meets her body and called it the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So that's not what we're talking. So do you want to, do you want to give an yeah, explanation yeah. of what those muscles are? And- sure. So we were talking about the pelvis, which is where that hips and sacrum and tailbone all kind of come together at the bottom um, of the of our trunk essentially and it, it's a group of muscles that kind of creates a hammock at the bottom so essentially and not to be too graphic but uh, if the pelvic floor was not at the bottom of our pelvis then all of our organs would fall um, we have three layers of the pelvic floor so we have our first layer um, which is really meant for sexual function then we have um, the urogenital diaphragm, which is just a fancy term for muscles and support fascia that supports the urethra. And then we have the deeper layer, which these are the two most common talked about, which are the levator ani and the coccygeus muscles, which technically coccygeus is in the levator ani, but for the purposes of today, we're gonna separate them. And those that layer supports the organs um, and also maintains bowel and bladder continence. Um, and it's amazing that like, we could think of it a layer. So I had made an analogy, um, if we want to keep it around the holidays, as like, because my mom is such a good gift giver and she's also a really good gift decorator. So she'll theme all of the wrapping like in a certain color or a certain design. And then she'll put the boxes in order of size. And then she would like put a ribbon or decoration on top of it to like wrap it all nicely. So I feel like that's the same thing that the pelvic floor is doing. It has all of these functions and they're all cohesive together and they all are wrapped up nicely in this really small area, but very important area. And I wish it was, you know, we could talk about it like a nice wrapped presence, but we tend to not talk about it that way. No. Well, I love how you broke it down, how the different layers help with the different functions of the pelvic floor. So a lot of another reason why that we're really trying to like break this down for the common person is because um, I'm studying for the board certification for women's health and anatomy is one of my... uh, tougher subjects for myself and it's another nice way for me to review everything and then also if I can describe it for a general population then that means I hopefully know exactly what I'm talking about um so it was surprising to me how you know literally the superficial layer is just for sexual function and we tie all the other stuff into it um but just, it was a good reminder that, you know, there's a lot going on and everyone, we should probably talk about sex function more often with our non, you know, pelvic floor patients too, because there could be other things happening as well in that. Yeah. And that, that bit about it's important, but hidden, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that provide support that are, are not seen. So, you know, right there, pleasure is something that provides, uh, can be something that get us through the holiday instead of 
uh, fussing about having to meet a deadline or have it be a certain way. Um, uh, supporting the, our organs, you know, take time to make sure you have the support you need. Um, incontinence now isn't under stress. That's where people get more leakage, <laughs> urinary <laughs> leakage, or uh, even fecal leakage, or um, those kind of things. So, those can be indicators that we're too stressed. We need to just relax a little bit, chill, and take time think, to enjoy. I think we could even break it down to. I, I loved how you were talking about, you know, the finding pleasure in this time, finding pleasure then in your, the public floor, like finding happiness and joy with our the holidays and finding happiness and joy with our public floor. But then also recognizing, and you always talk about the show, you know, yes, we have pleasure and joy and happiness during this time, but a lot of people also have stress and trauma responses and uh, feelings of like when they were kids, both about Santa and, or whatever holiday you, you know, you celebrate and about, oh, like the need to be perfect, you know, all the time too. So it is amazing how the public floor kind of represents all of those things. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, this is kind of a little dark, but um, there is a, there is the, aspect of abuse and mm -hmm. holidays can be hard for people yeah yeah um and if there was any abuse sexual abuse during this time of year when families are coming together and that's an important hidden thing that uh people can take this awareness to hold themselves gently in this time yeah, we don't feel comfortable talking about that kind of stuff, but it's a reality that is far too common. And mm -hmm. we do hold so much emotion and and memories in the public floor uh, for our entire lives. And, you know, maybe things are repressed, but we don't know, or we are aware, um, but unfortunately we don't have a choice to say no for being around people that might have abused us in the past and um, for whatever reason that may be. And so um, it's amazing how that that hidden things can show up in the public floor too. Yeah, well, I had one of those thoughts that disappeared. So if it comes back around, I'm, I, I reserve the right to bring it back out and it might not be at a <laughs> that's totally okay uh the yeah and it, it's around this issue which i think is is i know okay here it is that one of the ways that helps help me manage my own body is to understand my anatomy and i could not spout off to you this muscle goes from the the one third distal rami of the pubis which oh, is oh, the way yeah. we had to learn it um, but I have a, an impression in my mind, a picture of where it is and, and what it looks like when it shortens or lengthens. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding this about your pelvic floor is very empowering. It helps to wash away some of this, these 
worser memories that have happened. And even, even medical procedures can create some trauma. And I, I, not, not that doctors intended for that but at all, um, but there, they, there it is. It, I talk a lot about uh, medical trauma that happens to patients that, like you said, is not intended. Like there was no, you know, there was no intention of the harm that might've been done. Um, but call let's call it what it is. I feel it's empowering to call it what it is while also then owning that organ or that area and saying like, like just how you said, like, I know what this looks like. I know what it is. I know it's a part of me and I'm going to own it and I control it. And, and this has happened to me and I'm, this is how I can um, find peace or find whatever words you want to use to feel more comfortable with the trauma that you experienced. And we see this a lot more in um, like gynecological exams or childbirth, um, where it's kind of one of those, um, well, my, there's something else that's more important than my pelvic floor. So then, um, then it's kind of like this whole no holds bar kind of thing. But in reality, like it's, you're still there, like you're still that you're attached to that pelvic floor. So um, we need yeah, to be able to. I have an example of one. So yeah. I had my first baby at 18 years old. Well, I was like 19 in one month. So all my pregnancy, um, 18 years old. And I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. I was going to the University of Wisconsin. So I, I during the pregnancy, needed a, a checkup. And it's a teaching hospital. The doctor walks in with five residents. And he, he asked, is it okay if they all check? They all did a pelvic exam. I know. And I'm like, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's fine. But by the last one, I must've just had deer in the headlights because the person was like, is this okay? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, well, and, not like, only, fine. and it's also hard too, like, okay. Then you see five people come in and like, you're already put in a position that you can't say no, you know? And then you feel like you just said, like you feel bad if like you say yes to two of them, but th no to three of them, you know? Like, why don't what a weird and <laughs> interesting experience you and you and you but not you <laughs> yeah wow and and um yeah i you know i wonder how what that kind of imprint that left on on me because yeah yeah, yeah. uh i still remember it <laughs> the most memorable public exam <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, so when I'm treating with um, women and men now, like I'll explain the anatomy and how it works and all that like that. And then and how we evaluate it. And then I say, and if you don't want me to do that, I will not do it. I don't have to do it. And I think that's an important part of empowering people to say no, because you know, we give some authority to people doing, you know, practicing medicine or whatever. Um, and they, I want them to know, no, they're in charge of themselves and their body and 
we can solve a problem more than one way. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I always talk um, about, I even say at some point, you can say no, um, because I start explaining, you know, using the model to explain what we just talked about in more simple terms and different ways that we can assess the public floor. And then at, at always, I say, you can say no. And even the next day, um, if they feel that uh, the next time we see each other and maybe at the initial evaluation, they're like, yeah, like do whatever you want to do. And I'm going to, again, it's not what I want to do. It's what you want to do. And then they think about it. And then the next time they come in, they say, um, you know, you know, I really thought about it and I'm not just quite ready for it. Fantastic. Then we'll work on all the other things that we can work on. Let's talk about education and how your neck is tied to your public floor before we go touching your public floor. Yeah, and I think that's an important part of rehabilitation um, to do that. And then also bringing these things back to flesh and bone and not memories or uh, beliefs. So there's even, as we discuss this, there's even other elements of it, which are important during the holidays, which is to say no when you need to say no. <laughs> so we thought the second one of, of um, how the pelvic floor relates to the holiday, what you can learn from your pelvic floor is pelvic floor muscles work with others to get the job done. <laughs> and, and when we include them and we know how to operate with those pelvic floor muscles, everything goes better. Many hands make light work. <laughs> Definitely. And not only in yourself, like, you know, knowing that you are probably better at certain tasks than other people. So then you're going to do those. And then also, which then is analogy for the muscles that surround the pelvic floor that help it. But also, again, back to the boundaries that we just talked about, like delegating tasks to families or friends. Um, and we can think of the other muscles in our body as our family and friends that can help support our yes. pelvic floor. Yeah. And so um, one of the interesting things about this muscle, it's a diaphragm, like your respiratory diaphragm it looks like a pancake. Because mm -hmm. we think of the sph sphincter function, the circular muscle function of, of closing and opening. But this diaphragm it's a, it, it can dome, it can dome up and it can dome down. And we want control in both directions. And wouldn't you say most people do not have that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. If the fact that, I don't even know what the number is, but there's more, a majority of people don't know how to perform a proper contraction, which is the Kegel, which is what most people, you know, talk about. Uh, even a higher percentage don't know how to lengthen or control the downward, the downward movement of the pelvic floor either. And, and, and one of my points with this analogy was that when you include the pelvic floor in core stabilization with those abdominal muscles and all, you get a, a much stronger contraction. Um, yeah. yeah, and part of this, part of this studying for the board, um, I'm reading a lot more research than I've had in a long time, which is you know, something I can admit. <laughs> and I literally just studied about, or just read an article about 
how, I mean, yes, this makes common sense. And I understand that what I'm saying is probably redundant, but, you know, they found that, you know, the stronger the contraction of the pelvic floor, the stronger the contraction of the abdominal muscles, you know, and the stronger the contraction for the abdominal muscles, there is this reflexive contraction of the pelvic floor that meets that strong contraction of the abdominal region. And, and then, but they also found that when they did minimal or moderate strengths, like there wasn't that big of a connection as the strong, you know, contraction and, you know, what does medium, you know, or small, medium, large, or whatever mean, like we don't hundred percent know, but um, it is amazing how once we hit a threshold is when the pelvic floor and the abdominal region worked together. Whereas if we were working submaximally or below that threshold, then it wasn't working together like we would hope it to. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that because we tend to work a lot in the submax way because that's kind of when the light bulb hits. But it's important to understand that that max contraction. Now, granted, the max contraction in a pelvic floor is much different than let's say a max contraction in your bicep. Um, but uh, it is important to work in that max range for contraction, uh, which is different than So um, I should say that the setting that you and I work with, you know, work in, in, in the clinic is purposely focused on um, women's health, which is, well, pelvic, I should, pelvic floor and cancer rehab lymphedema conditions. And this has expanded to include men. And we have one therapist, especially who works with the children, but we, we have a group of us there. And it's fascinating to work this way because this area has such a huge amount of information in it. I, you know, I started in it, like, I think about 20, four years ago now. And I, I can't keep up with the burgeoning amount of information that's out there. So we come together with all our, our interest of how to approach the situations and learn from each other. And one of the things I learned from you is this very thing you're talking about, adding enough of a load to get a contraction that's effective. Yeah, absolutely. I think physical therapists tend to be, um, uh, we notoriously underload, underdose the floor, uh, but in all ortho cases, um, and part of that I think might be due to lack of true understanding of strength and conditioning principles from PT school. It could also be that the whole idea of like do no harm. So we rather like make it less of a load because we know you're not going to get hurt in that regard. Um, so there's like mm -hmm. a safety component into it and also equipment, you know, like not everyone has enough weight in their clinics in order to create the amount of load that we might need to make true strength gains. Um, and so all of that combined um, can definitely underdose uh, our patients. And so, and it really was a good reminder because uh, like I love teaching functional movement and 
how we can incorporate the pelvic floor into that. But I forget the small detail about we also need to be able to, to maximally contract our pelvic floor. Um, and that's a Kegel and a variety of positions that we should be able to do that. And so um, it was a good reminder for that too. Yeah. Well, you had um, put together a good list. I think you should go over here about when we talk about how the pelvic floor muscles work with others to get the job done, like of, um, we talked about abdominal muscles, but you also went into hip. I think I love this part. Kind of the, the two big ones that people know about are the glute max, which is the largest muscle in our hips. And that's the, the one that extends our hip and rotates our hip and extends our trunk. Um, and then we also talk sciatica because the sciatic nerve runs right underneath the piriformis. So people kind of know those two big muscles. Um, but what's really cool about these two is that they also connect to the sacrotuberous ligament, which is this huge, thick, fibrous ligament that crosses our pelvis at the SIJ or the sacroiliac joints. And that those that connection right there is so important for the stabilization of our pelvis and when our pelvis is stable our pelvic floor is stable um so i thought that was really interesting to remind myself oh yeah there's like this huge fibrous ligament that also connects these really important muscles around our pelvis and yeah. then the smaller known muscles like our glute medius which is um this really small muscle on the side of our hips that stabilize the level of the pelvis. So if you ever notice that when you're walking, you might like wiggle your hips a little bit more than maybe other people, or if you stand on one leg, then your hip drops, or if you're walking on uneven surfaces, then, um, but it doesn't feel very stable or very comfortable, then that's a sign that the glute med could be weak. And that muscle tends to be affected too if you have a specific type of uh, hip replacement. And if those hip replacement rehab afterwards isn't addressed appropriately, then all of that pressure can then put on the pelvic floor, which then turns into like leakage or prolapse. And then we have another muscle called our obturator internus. It's directly connected into the pelvic floor. Um, and so sometimes I always show on that model, like going back to what we talked about with the pelvic floor model about anatomy with our patients is I show like, here's our hip socket where our thigh bone sits in. And then right on the other side of it is this hip muscle that also connects into the pelvic floor. Um, so that one, um, with people with pelvic pain tend to be really tight in that area. Mm -hmm. And then the last one um, is our transverse abdominis, which is talked a lot, a lot now in regards to diastasis recti work, which that's a whole nother topic. Um, but the transverse abdominis is this like a natural built-in back brace in our trunk and it supports our organs. It works with the pelvic floor, it stabilizes the SIJ joint um, so all of that, all of these work cohesively in order to make function outwardly work well, but also our pelvic floor too. Yeah. 
that that's kind of a people can imagine that it's a kind of a beautiful picture about how these two diaphragms, the respiratory diaphragm, the pelvic diaphragm work together. Mm -hmm. like, uh, and what that might mean for our function, but it, it when they're off, like I'll see where people's respiratory diaphragm, they really have a short excursion of that. They're not getting full deep breaths. And mm -hmm. um, these, these uh, two muscles, they both have not just voluntary nerves, but involuntary nerves, the, the stuff that's linked into fight or flight. And yeah. so back into our holiday analogy, somebody's um, get, you know getting stressed out, these two muscles are gonna start to like whack out. <laughs> yeah, and that, that hip analogy when they're not supporting each other like what okay if one of the members of your team gets tired but you keep dragging everybody along you know the somebody's going to get hurt and don't we see that in the um in the muscles when we don't when we push too hard something will go into in the spasm or tear you know the but the high hamstring, which could be, maybe maybe it could be the high hamstring, but it could be any of these other hip muscles, these deeper um, hip rotators. I like the, and, um, and then down into the pelvic floor. And so, and this kind of goes back to point one, hidden things um, and, and releasing tension in the pelvic floor can relieve back pain, it can relieve hip pain. And, and that's also sort of our point number three, pelvic floor muscles get better results when they can relax mm -hmm. and, and have that full excursion. You know, and when I, when I say that, I mean, it, the muscle can work through its full range of motion. And again, if we go back to our bicep arm muscle analogy, if a full range of motion is I can touch my hand to my shoulder, and then I can fully straighten my elbow. So what's what's full range of motion in the pelvic floor? You know, the contraction is that squeeze and lift. So we can think another now. So that's the up motion of our bicep um, where we're trying to touch our hand to our shoulder. And then the relaxation phase is that it's kind of two different things. We have the active component of lengthening, which is back to the elbow, it's where we're, or the bicep that we're straightening out our elbow. Um, but relaxation is also important with, in the way of maintaining the tone as a baseline. So we have, you know, our pelvic floor, since it does, it works 24 hours a day. Um, we can't just turn off a hundred percent the pelvic floor. There has to be this low tone that is maintained um, in order to make sure that we, it does its functions that it does. However, that baseline tone can be elevated if we're stressed or we have tension or we're in pain or something's not functioning in its optimal way. Um, so I kind of use that as an analogy of we're not doing bicep curls all day. If we were doing bicep curls all day, then our arm would not be functioning either. So we need to be able to maintain that low tone in order to keep our organs and supported and our continence 
but we also we can't have it too high or then we have the other fun dysfunctional things that might happen. Um, I was thinking of the difference between um, gripping and tone and that, um, you, well, you, you know, if I'm lifting a weight and I'm like working hard and forcing and gripping or, um, it, it, you know, in my form of exercise, I like to do gyrotonic, we talk about expansion, you create an awakening in the muscle, like it's alive, it's active, it's toned. Um, and then I contract the muscle, I have more control, more length in the muscle, more range available to me, um, and less chance of, of cramping. Um, so that, yeah, yeah. Uh, it comes back to the holidays and uh, that pushing something to get it done versus like, just enjoy the moment and relax and then do something, you're gonna get more done. You can have more power behind a contraction that is comes from a relaxed state. Yeah, I think that yeah. it's against like all that we're taught in our culture, which is like push through, put your head down, like don't complain, don't ask for help, be perfect. And I know that's pretty um, intense or pretty, you know, pessimistic, if you want to call it that. Um, and we don't give space for the opposite of that push through. Um, and for many reasons of why we don't allow ourselves to do the rest and digest stuff. Um, so I think it's important while we're approaching the holiday full swing cycle that yes, you can push, push, but also do extra self-care. So meaning take a longer bath than usual or um, take more naps or um, instead of um, doing more strength training, like you're doing more yoga or doing more just laying on the floor and putting your legs up on the wall, you know, like doing more of that stuff to counteract the, the push and the perfectionism of the holiday season too. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody uh, recently who's dealing with uh, chronic pelvic pain um, and of course associated back and hip pain. Cause we see that combination a lot. Um, I had tried kind of, traditional physical therapy, which consisted of doing more exercise. And this person already has an active life, doing housework, running errands, probably lifting and carrying stuff for the, the hobby that they have. That, and, um, and, you know, physical therapy just gave her more moving. And what the body need, this person's body needed was rest. So it was really fun to say, I'm gonna give you your first exercise. And I had the person lie down and breathe. <laughs> Just follow your breath. And said, do that five minutes a day. Um, 
because that constant pushing is part of what increases inflammation and it just feeds the, the pain cycle. Um, so just a simple lay down can, can bust that cycle. It's amazing too how many people maybe subconsciously push back on that um, and how it's really uncomfortable for them to um, rest for five minutes to breathe. And part of it might be like, maybe we don't explain it well enough for them to understand that like, this is just as important as any Kegel or any squat that you do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and part of it might be that, again, we're trying to unlearn the many layers of pushing and perfectionism and, and go that we have been taught as, a, as young people in this country, in our culture. Um, so we're unpacking a lot there when we're trying to get people to uh, do the opposite of what we're taught to do all the time. I've heard different explanations of it. One was, you know, we're addicted to adrenaline and when we lay quietly, there isn't any. Um, I also think that when we lay quietly, we find what is driving us and that, uh, you know, we feel guilty mm -hmm. about not doing. Yep. Uh, yeah. um, that ties into the whole, your worth is based on your productivity. Um, I know I had an, a time at Thanksgiving with my family where I got, um, I was, we were going through old stuff, like memory stuff and, um, and the physical manifestation of those like memories, like we're, you know, deciding, do we keep them? Do we throw them away? And at one point I got really, um, like emotionally worked up and like it, I, I thankfully I did say like, I need to stop and I need to take a break, but instead of me just like sitting in my emotions and letting myself cry and like being away from everybody I like went into the bathroom had a small cry and then I'm like okay I gotta like throw some water on my face go back out there and like pretend nothing like happened right and then I like got on my computer and did work <laughs> and I'm like wait like this is I'm gonna cuss this is bullshit like I should have like sat in my room on like lay down cried and had no time frame on it and allowed myself to sit in my emotions and I didn't do it you know and so even so when like us who maybe is a little bit more well-versed in the idea of this concept of relaxation and grace and compassion for ourselves of allowing myself to be in my emotions and let it happen so you know we're preaching you know, I'm just preaching to myself, you know, here, <laughs> yeah. what's going on. It's a, it's, you know, the way that we want to live and choose to live is um, not, not exactly the popular way right now. Um, it's, it's seen as inefficient and non-profitable. <laughs> and, and I, I laugh because those are things we're holding up in our society as most valuable and they do nothing to feed the soul. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're having to make the choice uh, that, that we think it's important, but we're not gonna get a lot of kudos for that. Mm -hmm. 
I remember once um, in the course of running the business and trying to, you know, make things good and giving my employees a chance to give me feedback. And one of them actually said to me, well, you hold yourself back by crying because you cry. And uh, uh, so, sorry, crying's good for you. <clears throat> and if that's seen as a, a weak, well, see, that's the problem with society. So we have to choose to know what's best for, our, for ourselves, for our soul, and, and take the lumps with the other stuff. Like the, just this week, I was sitting in the office and looking out the window at the clouds and just like, I'm so grateful. I have a job that there's time in the day to look out the window and see those pelicans floating in the water and enjoy that and feel that how that touches and creates a relaxation in my body. And um, we almost have to do that like a soapbox, <laughs> like a militants rebels well, i'm gonna relax that's like last week i did my first actual yoga nidra class and i like chose that over going to my gym <laughs> and and it's i what's ironic is that my gym and the yoga studio are like literally right next to each other so i'm driving past my gym like I am not going to you. I'm actually going to yoga nidra tonight. Um, and what an act of defiance that was like you just talked about. And so um, it's, and everyone, I talk to people about this, like, oh, it's so good that you're learning this now before, you know, you're 50 or something. And it's like, yeah, it is, but it's still a work of progress. Like I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect at this either. So I think I'll be able, I'll still be practicing practicing this for the rest of my life, you know, not just. Yeah. Well, and that's where I like to say we're building skills. Mm -hmm. We have a skill and we, we acquire it. We practice it over time. It's not like you have it and now you're perfect. It, um, and that shout, shout out to Heather Anastos who runs the yoga community that her classes, like you feel like you didn't do anything and then you come out and you feel wonderful. Like that I didn't do anything. I don't deserve to feel better. <laughs> yeah, I literally, yeah, I literally like laid on the mat. We did a little bit of movement, but we laid on the mat. We like made a cocoon of ourselves in our, and I was in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, you know, and I cocooned myself in with blankets and supports. And then I, and then we laid there for 45 minutes listening to a meditation. and it was amazing um, yeah. and I felt afterwards actually refreshed and I felt I had a great night's sleep that night and it hit to a point I think I got to share it with my husband too and it was both a really nice connection between the two of us and so um we're like yeah we need to do this more often so that was really nice nice to be good I, I guess that the last point about relaxation in the pelvic floor is the best way for urine and poop to come out is through a relaxed pelvic floor and being able to let go it should it should be a let go not a push the best yeah, form. yeah. that was that another thing that a patient of mine was talking about because i was talking about the emphasis of relaxation 
And she was like, well, what do you mean? Just like completely letting it go and hang out? I was like, oh, no, no, no. There is a difference between re- like an active relaxation or like a conscious relaxation versus just letting everything hang out where we're bulging our tissues and then we lose the lack of support. Then we lose the strength that we need in order to function appropriately too. So when we say relax and we say reducing tension in your pelvic floor, we're not saying like bulge out. We're not saying to push out. You know, we're not saying that. We're just saying, just like when we're straining on our elbow, we do the same thing with our pelvic floor in that nice controlled manner. Um, mm-hmm. We don't force and go past our elbow joint, you know, to make that relaxation happen. That's true. Yeah, that's a good image. (laughs) So the last point, and maybe we've touched on it, but pelvic floor muscles aren't just about strength, but coordination too. And I think what's, we can tie this into, like, say, for instance, we have patients who they're doing really well, and then they had a weekend where all of their symptoms came back. And Granted, the up and down, healing is not linear. It's up and down. There's peaks and valleys like through it, right? Um, But especially during this time where we're talking about setting boundaries while we're also trying to create memories with our family by doing special things, um, know that our constipation and incontinence and pain and prolapse could be flaring up during these times. Mm -hmm. And if those show up, it's not about pushing hard, you know, to get past those. It's like, okay, it's a reminder that I need to support my body a little bit differently during this time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we're, when we're pushing through, that's exhausting and things get um, discoordinated, you know, like the abs and the pelvic floor don't work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like so it's, it all circles back around to you know relax and um, you know work together slow down so you can work together and find your way um, that uh, overused word balance how does one find balance in when we have increased demand going on we, we have an expectation of, of even just putting up a tree with lights on it um, can feel too exhausting. Where do people find the energy to put the lights on their houses? Uh, I don't know. But I appreciate it. They look nice. <laughs> they do. And then you have this like guilt of like, oh, if they could do it, I should be able to do it. Um, and then that has a shame cycle <laughs> oh and that comes back to the pelvic floor because that's our main shame site in the body <laughs> yeah, man. gosh it's all connected <laughs> so something like i guess like if we want to again like come back to well why does my uh constipation come back and it you know, we tend to like eat more sugar and less vegetables and 
we tend to have lack of sleep and lack of hydration um, and less movement in regards to um, maybe like an actual like intended workout. So we like forget that walking is just as important or like being outside in the fresh air for five minutes is like considered movement, right? Um, but we don't even do that. You know, we're we're in the kitchen, we're cleaning, we're um, shopping, we're, you know, planning, like we're doing that. And, and so we're, I'm not saying like, you need to go exercise like crazy during this time. It's more like less or just outside fresher walk for five minutes is just as good as an hour in the gym, you know, at this time. Yeah. So, well, um, I hope we proved our point <laughs> that you can learn from your pelvic floor <laughs> on how to, how to manage a, a, a season that can be actually a lot of fun, but the flip side is, is over demanding and stressful. Yep. So, yep. Absolutely. Um, so let's go for the, the fun relax, work together. Yeah. Um, your boundary. boundary. Remember what's important. Yeah. <laughs> We're usually hidden. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're not, they're not seen that the, you can't look at joy or um, what gratitude. There's not a, it's not in a present. You don't wrap that up, but it's, it's the stuff that makes life good. <laughs> well, thank you. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. And happy holidays to everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.